You're listening to Together by AGCI. I'm Melissa Rush. HIV is a diagnosis that can feel really scary for families. Misinformation and stigma around the disease are some of the primary reasons why adopting a child who is HIV positive can feel out of reach. So much has changed in the care and treatment of children and adults living with HIV over the last few decades. It's no longer a death sentence. With proper medical care and management, people with HIV can live full, long lives. They can be healthy, active, and happy. They can get married and have children with almost no risk of spreading the virus to their partner or child. While there's no cure for HIV, with medication, the virus can get to a point where it's undetectable, making it next to impossible to spread to others. I chatted with Dr. Mary Statt, infectious disease specialist and director of the International Adoption Center at Cincinnati Children's Hospital about what HIV is, how it can be managed, and how we can combat stigma around it. Let's get into our conversation. Well, thank you so much. I know you're so busy. Um, so I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. And um, I just think this will be so helpful for families. So can you kind of just start by just telling me a little bit about yourself and kind of what areas you specialize in? Yeah, hi, I'm um, Mary Spat, and I'm a uh, infectious disease, pediatric infectious disease doctor at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. Been here for that's 26 years now, and we have been uh, running our International Adoption Center for the past uh, 22 years. Uh, we have three children who are internationally adopted and are now uh, young adults, and um, we really uh, have enjoyed taking care of our families over the years and providing them with pre-adoption um, uh, reviews, um, as well as even going over special needs checklists with families. Um, and then seeing the kids um, who can make it to our center um, in Cincinnati um, uh, after they come home. Wow. So that's really cool. You have kind of both sides of the coin there as like in your professional life, obviously. And then personally, how has that, do you feel like that's kind of made it easier for you to kind of understand the journey that families are on? Cause you, you got it from both sides. Absolutely. I and mean, the whole reason we have the adoption center is because my my experience with my um, middle daughter, who was uh, in a special need of a heart condition, and I really felt um, very isolated and didn't feel like I had uh, anyone to turn to initially um, when we were in country. And I was like, no family should ever really have to feel like this. They should have a partner and helping them with these um, medical questions that they have. And uh, um, really, as a result of her, our experience with her, uh, really shortly thereafter, we um, uh, developed the International Adoption Center. Um, and I was thankfully able, because of what I do, to get the the advice I needed to, to move forward with adopting her. And she's now 26-year-old or 27-year-old, I guess, now. And, uh, you know, is, uh, um, you know, can't imagine, you know, life without her. But, you know, it was a very scary situation for us. And we really, you know, needed to um, have somebody that could really help decipher, even for me as a pediatrician, kind of what the next steps were, because I was not an expert, you know, in cardiology and what they were telling me wasn't matching up and I just needed someone else to help us. And so that's absolutely, you know, why we have the International Adoption Center. I have another whole um, really career in research in infectious diseases and take care of kids with, you know, uh, kind of complex infectious diseases at the hospital. And 
Um, it's a small part of what I do with the International Adoption Center, but it's, it's probably the part that I'm most passionate about. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, I always love to kind of see how these kind of pieces can intersect in your life and something like so personal then can become this, you know, even though you say it's kind of a smaller part of what you do day to day, but it has like helped so many other families kind of navigate that process, which can feel overwhelming because for most people, it's not, you know, something they have tons of friends and family that have gone through. So, um, so today I, I, you know, obviously want to talk about HIV and just, I kind of would like to get to the really basic level. Like, can you just, just at a very basic level, explain what is HIV and how it's spread? Yeah. HIV is the um, human immunodeficiency um, uh, virus. And it's, um, I can remember at the very beginning of my career when people were dying from something um, and it was a very scary time and we learned of HIV and uh, uh, again, you have the perspective that, you know, kids died from this, you know, the, 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 the moms, dads, people died from this uh, infection. It was very, very scary. Um, there was really not effective treatments. Uh, there wasn't really screening in place and um, it was a very devastating, um, scary um, infection. And I think that probably without having, you know, updates along your life, if that's kind of what you've heard about it, about HIV, it will be something that people die from, something that will be very contagious um, and uh, people can't do well with. Um, and that's really not the case um, these days. Um, the HIV uh, virus is, is, is uh, causes infection typically in our kids um, from their mom having it and passing it on to them. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, if you have great screening programs in place, then you can identify someone who has, uh, who's pregnant with HIV and give them medications to actually keep them from passing it on to the baby. Very, very effective. Mm -hmm. Not all places, not even in the United States, um, are we, you know, 100% successful in doing that. And so um, we will have some babies, unfortunately, that will be born um, to have um, been infected um, with the HIV virus. And... Um, Typically, again, they will be identified with it and started on treatment. And, um, and what's different now is that those kids typically do very, very well from a long-term standpoint. As long as it's identified very early um, in their life, like within the first you know, weeks of life, um, they will typically do, do very well um, with a chronic disease for their life, okay, but not a death sentence, mm -hmm. uh, not the um, horrible outcomes that we had. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, it's kind of amazing. Like you said, uh, people have that perception of, of what that is from that really scary time, um, you know, 20, 30 years ago and how far science has come that now you can, yeah, it's a chronic illness, but you can have a, a normal lifespan, which is wonderful. Um, so kind of just to make sure that this is clear for people, can you explain how HIV differs from AIDS? Yeah, so AIDS is really kind of the end stage of an HIV infection that you then have, you know, damaged your immune system to the point where you are susceptible to getting um, some not very typical infections, okay, mm -hmm. that anybody else would be able to just to fight off, okay, but because of the specific um, problems with your immune system now, because you have HIV infection for a long time and there's been destruction of your immune system, then you have um, these atypical infections that can ultimately 
um, kill you, okay? Um, and, and, and also have cancers, okay? That again, you know, are, are due to just an unregulated, you know, uh, not so perfect immune system that allows cancers to develop. Um, it can cause other damage to other organs um, in your brain that are even not infectious um, outside of HIV, that HIV can cause direct damage to the brain. Um, and it's, it's an end stage of an mm-hmm. HIV infection. Okay, so I, I don't think we had any kids in my, you know, 20 something years, you know, who have had AIDS um, uh, that have come home with HIV that have had AIDS. Um, you know, all of them have had HIV infection. And in more recent years, all of these infections have been really very nicely um, controlled, mm-hmm. managed, um, mm-hmm. again, not cured, not, you know, just managed with medications because our medications are really quite good. And, you know, you kind of touched on this earlier that um, people tend to think of HIV as a a death sentence, which isn't true anymore. But are there other common misconceptions that you hear about HIV often? I think a a common misperception is that it can be spread very easily. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that, um, you know, you can't have kids in the future. Your family is put at risk. You have, you know, you have risk, um, you know, friends and schoolmates and things. And um, the truth is, which is just astonishing, actually, is that if if you are adherent, and I use adherent compliance kind of saying, okay, if you are very, very uh, on top of taking your medications, not missing doses, taking your medications as prescribed, you will have no virus that's detectable in your blood to spread to anybody, okay? Which is remarkable. Okay. Yeah. Um, that you know you will you will be able to you know live your life without the fear or without your family's fear of spreading the virus. Okay. Mm-hmm. Even to someone that you would have a child with later in life. Okay. Because the medicines are that effective that you really can't transmit the virus if you are on your medication as prescribed. Wow, that's that's amazing. It's really amazing. Yeah. So just to clarify, that would mean, I mean, and as we already know, it's not, it's not something that is being spread through just normal, like everyday contact. You're not going to get it from sports or like a cut necessarily or anything kind of just like normal family contact. That's not. If you did not have, if you did not have, um, we're not on medications and you had detectable virus in your blood, mm-hmm. okay, they will testing to see what your viral load is, how many copies you have in the blood sample to see, to determine kind of your infectiousness. Okay. You certainly could spread it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it wouldn't be so very easy to spread it. Okay. Mm-hmm. But you could at least spread it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, with a big blood accident or, um, and then that person getting their hand or getting the blood in their eyes, getting them on mucous membranes, you could have or a, 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 um, a cut, you know, if you're helping somebody um, or um, you know, kids get older, sexual activity, mm-hmm. spread it. Okay. But if you were on taking your medications and you are looking at, you know, viral loads and you know that the viral load is not detectable, then you're not going to spread it. Okay. And again, you wouldn't spread it very easily, you know, even if you had virus in your blood, but it certainly could. Okay. You know, in, okay. in that situation, you would certainly want to make people aware that if you did have that kind of exposure, um, that that happened. But that's not the case with our kids um, mm-hmm. or just in general in the United States. 
where there's really good HIV care and um, children and adults are placed on medications that keep the viral load non-detectable and therefore the virus is not transmissible. Wow, that's amazing. So getting that down to a, a manageable level, like what does what does a treatment plan, I know everyone's different, but in general, what does a treatment plan look like for a, a HIV positive child? So I, I do think some people have the idea that I mean, they're going to be managed their whole life, you know, with lots and lots of doctor's visits with an HIV specialist and mm-hmm. have to be in a place where there is an HIV specialist and there's going to be lots and lots of visits. That's really not the case. I think the first year, there's a lot of um, testing that's done and trying to understand kind of where we are, making sure we, you know, uh, just overall adoption testing and infectious disease testing, immunization catch-up and mm-hmm. HIV-specific care. But then it kind of looks like maybe twice a year visits for a couple of years, and then usually it looks like once a year visits, okay, wow. for HIV care in particular. And even if you aren't in an area where you have um, uh, an HIV specialist, you could certainly, and certainly the pandemic has showed us that we could do telemedicine and we could, you know, uh, really consult with an HIV specialist to help us. Um, the things that you're really looking at with that HIV specialist is to make sure that you're not having any side effects from medications, mm-hmm. your viral load continues to be low, um, and that you're just overall doing well, okay? And so, um, you know, it's really not as overwhelming um, from a, you know, doctor visit management standpoint, other than you need to be absolutely adherent, absolutely taking those medications every you know day as prescribed. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're once a day, sometimes they're twice a day. Um, I, I think, it, you know, for the purposes of this conversation, it's, it's we're not going to go into all the different medications combinations that you can have. Sure. Yeah. But there's a, you know, a medication that, you know, that will be prescribed by the HIV specialist or infectious disease specialist. And um, they will monitor whatever side effects that you might have, which tend to be pretty minor, doesn't seem to be a major issue. And, uh, and adjust the doses as the child grows because it, it is based on the child's um, weight. Okay. And, and, uh, we want to make sure the child tolerates it. It has the form that they can tolerate a liquid or a pill or a crushed pill or whatever. And then, and then um, monitor that over time to make sure um, that we adjust the, um, the uh, dose. Um, mm-hmm. as child grows. Wow. So, I mean, that's, again, I feel like I'm just repeating myself, but that's kind of remarkable when you think of how scary that this diagnosis can feel to, to know that it can be managed with, you know, especially once you get it under control, a once a year visit. Um, and with, you know, obviously if you're inherent taking medication every day, I mean, that's true for so many illnesses. So other than just making sure you're, you're taking that medication every day, are there other like day-to-day impacts on a kid's life? So, so I think that, you know, when I talk with families about this, that I think, um, and, and when I, you know, uh, I, I, we actually have an HIV clinic here that, you know, we really partner with, you know, for mm-hmm. our kids that come home locally. And just in talking with her pretty recently, actually, about kind of what, what kind of issues, you know, are you seeing, you know, with the kids um, that, you know, are of concern to you? And I, mm-hmm. and I think, and, and, and I, I think, you know, I wasn't surprised by her answer. It's, it's really, um, you have to make sure that you can find ways to pay for the medications. Okay. Mm. Because sometimes the insurance, there are ways to do it. 
Mm-hmm. There are funds available, but you have to, to do your research to see what your insurance will cover, okay? Mm-hmm. Because the medications are quite expensive, okay? Mm-hmm. And that can be really very hard for families if they have an insurance plan that doesn't cover it or if you are in some income bracket that um, actually if you're very, very poor, they get covered very well. Uh, if you're very, very wealthy, then, you know, you can you can make up the difference of what insurance is going to cover it. It's typically the, the folks are in the middle um, group that might have, you know, an insurance with a high deductible um, and uh, insurance doesn't cover the meds as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. There are programs. It's state by state. There's not a way for me to really cover that in kind of this conversation. Yeah. They have to research to see, okay, how can we, you know, how can we make sure that we, um, can cover the cost of this medication, um, mm-hmm. medications, you know, that, that end up being, um, uh, you know, pretty costly at this point, which probably over time will get less expensive, but that is the immediate concern. Um, you know, here now, right when you get your child that you, you have to deal with. The other thing that families struggle with is they'll be very educated and know that their child's risk um, of spreading the infection is non-existent or incredibly negligible. Okay. Yeah. That, that they have family members and friends mm-hmm. that will not, you know, um, educate themselves or will be fearful um, and will, um, you know, can can cause problems with those relationships, okay, because people don't understand it, okay? This isn't the only infection that that's the case. We talked about that with hepatitis B and hepatitis C and other infections, but, you know, there's certainly a stigma with HIV, okay, mm-hmm. that, um, you know, because of, um, everything that's happened over the past you know, years that um, seems to be more problematic, okay? Mm-hmm. And then I think the other thing is when kids become old enough to understand that they have HIV and then they also, you know, kind of then, you know, decide to share it or um, they, they themselves can have, you know, some, some issues, uh, you know, socially with relationships. Because of those same misunderstandings. I mean, I think over time things will get better, but I, I just recently heard, um, you know, this this, um, this week um, a, a story on TV that was saying that people still struggle, you know, with sharing that information because of people's preconceived ideas but yeah, about HIV and their fear of it. So I think those are the things to really carefully consider. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then often, you know, oftentimes, you know, the children who have, Children from HIV come from all countries, but then you also have the racial differences um, mm-hmm. that often compound things. Okay, so you have all of these, you know, kind of social, you know, relationship issues that families just need to carefully consider and have a game plan for how they're going to how they're going to manage this and how they're going to support um, themselves and their and their child um, through these kind of this misinformation and this misunderstanding. So. I know it's like such a complex issue, but how do you feel like families can kind of help combat the the stigma like surrounding HIV and with, you know, having conversations with family and friends? I, I know it's, it's complicated with disclosure and things like that, but what, what are things that we can be doing? Yeah, I think, I just think that over time people, you know, now hear of more and more people that are, um, you know, living with HIV and living full lives and you would, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm astounded because of my, you know, wide experience from when I started my career to where I am now that I would never even know the person had HIV mm-hmm. by their history, 
you know, of their medical issues because they've been completely healthy their whole life, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I think that, you know, there needs to be just more education at that level that, you know, this, this is, this is something not to be fearful of. It's manageable. Um, and that you won't be getting, you know, infected by somebody that has it. Um, but, but it's, there's a lot of ignorance and a lot of, you know, just lack of knowledge and misinformation that's out there. And, and as a family, you have to be willing to, you know, be that advocate for your child and for your family and help, you know, really educate others um, once you decide to disclose it. Okay. And many families don't disclose it. They don't have to disclose it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I think you have to look closely at your family. You know, I, I, I often tell my families, hey, there are people that in my family, I just wouldn't share some things. With, you know? Yeah, and sure. There are other family members that, that I would, okay? And, and you know, you have to assess that yourself. You know, you, you have no obligation to tell everybody in the world, you know, what what um, is going on with that child from an HIV standpoint. Um, as long as you're being adherent with the medications and they, they pose no risk, um, you know, for uh, infecting others. Yeah, absolutely. I know it's, it's a complicated thing, like you said. I mean, some people can you'd be able to have a conversation with them about that and kind of explain, um, some of the things that, uh, you know, people don't understand and other people just hear that. And I think that's kind of the, that's the end of it. Um, they down and they just give, give their opinion and, you know, they, they are, you know, it's, it's out of fear. They're just too fearful to, uh, you know, to, to learn more, you know, um, or distrustful to learn more. Yeah. The other thing that I, I have the conversation with, and not to discourage folks, but just because I think, you know, my my role with, you know, helping families, and I feel, you know, very passionate about this, is to really have them see the big picture. Mm-hmm. Um, not just this cute little one that's coming home when they're two years old, three years old, and yeah, whatever condition they have, but but like, let's walk through life and see what that yeah. okay? And, um, you know, I, I, I think you mentioned that they can have a normal life expectancy. Um, I think that right now we're thinking that's the case, but we're not that far out where we mm-hmm. don't know if they're going to live to 60, 80, you know, whatever that quote unquote normal life expectancy is. But we're very optimistic that they are having a very um, normal uh, life expectancy into, into young adulthood. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. So, and maybe close to middle age at this point. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but Again, that depends on them being adherent. <laughs> yes. How many times I've said that. Um, but uh, to repeat myself, you, you can be very adherent when your parents are giving you your medications every day. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something that happens in adolescence when kids beca- are becoming adults and mm-hmm. they get to, to manage their own care. Mm-hmm. And that's when a lot of our kids with any kind of chronic illness, get diabetes, heart disease, um, you know, kidney disease, whatever their issues are, okay, mm-hmm. um, once they are responsible for their care, and if they do not, you know, take that responsibility seriously, then that's when we run into issues. So a lot of times I'll see kids with HIV, um, with complications from HIV, when they are adolescents or young adults, because mm-hmm. they have now assumed their care, and they're not being adhered anymore, okay? And it's the same as we see with kids who have diabetes, who are like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to have this disease, this infection problem. And then they make their own choices, and then that's when they can have problems. Okay, so we'd like to think that we can control every single thing about our child the rest of their lives. I'm learning as my kids are young adults that that's not the case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, 
don't get to control everything. And I never did actually, but yeah, you know, you have some illusion when they're your, you know, under your roof that that's the case. But, you know, it, it becomes a reality that some kids are going to be, you know, very adherent and take it seriously. Mm-hmm. And other kids are going to say, I'm tired of taking these medications. I'm tired of you know, having to do this. Um, again, not totally burdensome, but it is daily medication and some follow-up um, that, you know, um, they'll get in trouble. And if once they do that, then, you know, that HIV infection will start to hurt their immune system and then they will be susceptible to getting other infections and other, you know, cancers and things like that, that, mm-hmm. um, you know, could you know, cause to get AIDS and then, um, and then die from this. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that, uh, you know, and that's uh, tricky to navigate, I guess, especially at that age, like you said, where they maybe don't have, um, they're old enough to be managing their care, but they maybe don't have the, the understanding of the direness, I guess, of the situation and that you, you need to be taking that medication to, and then it is manageable, but if you don't do that, you run into issues. Um, can you touch a little bit more on kind of how HIV can kind of affect kids. I mean, just in that transition to adulthood in terms of, you know, getting married, potentially having children, kind of what that can, can look like. Cause I think that can be a fear for families of like, you know, they won't be able to have a quote unquote normal life. Yeah, they, they absolutely can. Yeah. Because again, they, they won't, you know, through sexual activity, they will not be able to transmit that virus. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just say for some reason that they were able too, okay, that they weren't as great taking their medications, okay, um, then that baby, you know, would be, um, if, if the mom is infected, that baby would be um, uh, able to get infected, okay, mm-hmm. um, and then, um, again, you would, they would be monitoring that HIV viral load all through the pregnancy once it, if it was ever detectable, you know, um, first of all, they'd be advising mom to make sure she's taking her medicines, but let's just say, everything goes wrong and that baby is born with HIV, mm-hmm. okay? um, then, you know, we can even um, around delivery and around the first you know weeks of life, even prevent the baby from getting infected. Okay. Wow. So there's even a possibility, like if everything were to go wrong, uh-huh. you know, still a possibility that the baby would not get infected or that you could even treat the baby right, right at birth. Okay. And, and prevent the baby from getting um, being infected and then again if the baby is infected then again we're talking about kind of the same conversation we've already had is that you would be Mm -hmm. treating early on and that baby would um you know be managed with medication throughout the life so um we we have lots and lots of you know um infection you know our our infectious disease service manages those uh um births um every week we have a list you know in our town of of all the moms that are hiv positive Mm -hmm. so that we can make sure that they are all getting on medications right after they're born, um, part of what we do. It doesn't happen right here in the United States. There are still lots of people that have HIV that are having babies, okay, that do not infect their babies. I think it's a very hopeful time, you know, and it's not to say that we won't have cures at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's, it's been a long time, and it's not been an easy task. So I don't want people to say, you know, to think, oh, in five years, I've never said this, but, you know, Oh, in five years and 10 years, we'll have a cure. I don't know that that's the case. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we may never have a cure. Okay. But I think we have better and better drugs to manage this. And it's a manageable chronic disease, chronic infection. 
um, yeah. that, you know, in the scheme of things, of all the things that you can have, it's, 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 it's one of the things that um, I think is, is more manageable. Um, as long as you kind of understand those risks as they get older, when they start assuming you're in care, mm-hmm. um, that you have to look into your insurance to make sure that you can understand how to manage pain for those medications. And that you can also look at your, your family and your friends and your community to see how you can successfully, you know, um, support, advocate, you know, educate, um, and, and protect that child against kind of the stigma that, um, associated with HIV. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's so hopeful. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, I think, think I'm so excited to see kids coming home with HIV um, because it is so hopeful. It is so hopeful, but it, it is really important for people to consider all those things. Mm-hmm. How this can work with their family. They should not be fearful that their family is going to get infected. They should not be fearful that the child's going to die from AIDS, you know, but they should look at those other aspects of it to make sure it's something that they can, they can manage. Well, and it's kind of interesting because it seems like, I mean, obviously there are very real risks and, you know, you need to be compliant with your medication and all these other things, but it seems like the biggest, uh, issue right now is, is more like misinformation and stigma, like, and, and kind of navigating that and socially for kids and family members, like to not be afraid. Yeah. You just have to be willing as a family to take that on. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and that's very hard to do. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there are people that just really um, aren't going to be um, able to be educated about it. Okay? Mm-hmm. And you have to be you know, willing to say, okay, I, I will, you know, advocate for my child. I will not let my child suffer at their expense, you know, no. whatever negative things um, or, you know, misinformation can be, you know, spread about them. Okay. And mm-hmm. so you just have to be willing to, to, as a family to really, um, do that. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Stad. It was so great to talk to you. And I, I feel like, I know this can be kind of a scary topic for folks, but it, I'd feel very hopeful about it after hearing all that you had to say. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to be able to share with you. We're really, um, excited to know that, you know, first of all, that these kids can come to our families. Mm-hmm people are uh, considering, um, the special need. Um, and, uh, you know, I think there are plenty of people, no matter where you live, you know, in the United States or abroad that are very knowledgeable about HIV, um, that can really um, help navigate, um, this, this, uh, uh, treatment and management, um, over their lifetime. So, um, don't be fearful of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, seriously, thank you so much for doing this. I, I know you're so busy, um, so I really, really appreciate it. That was Dr. Mary Statt, Director of the International Adoption Center at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. Thanks for listening to Together by AGCI. As always, if you liked what you heard, please rate or review us wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to read or watch even more stories, check out our website, allgodschildren.org. Reach out to us and let us know what you think on Instagram at All God's Children International or email us at together at allgodschildren.org. We look forward to sharing another story of hope the next time we're together. We'll talk to you soon.